So I don't know if you guys, have you seen the uh, new serenity prayer yet? Somebody rewrote the serenity prayer based on all the chaos that's going on. And uh, I kind of like it. Let me read it to you. It says, Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to things, change the things I cannot accept, and the wisdom to hide the bodies of those that I kill because they got on my nerves. <laughs> also, Lord, help me to be careful the toes I step on today, as they may become connected to the feet I might have to kiss tomorrow. Lord, help me always to give 100% at work. 100%. 12% on Monday, 23% on Tuesday, 40% on Wednesday, 20 on Thursday, and 5 on Friday. And Lord, help me always to remember that when I'm having a bad day, and it seems like people are trying to wind me up, that it takes 42 muscles to frown, 28 to smile, and only four to reach out my hand and slap them upside the head. <laughs> okay, so that's new serenity prayer. And I know you can't change the serenity prayer. I mean, we shouldn't transform the serenity. Nobody should change the serenity prayer, but I do have some good news for you this morning. It's the same good news we've been talking about for several weeks, and the good news is this. You can change you. Did you know that? You can change you through the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to remind us again this morning that you and I can voluntarily team up with God, submit to Him, and allow Him to transform us in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And if we come to Him humbly, we can even ask Him to get rid of some of the defects and the character flaws that we have in our lives. That's pretty good stuff. Our text this morning is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. You probably memorized it as a kid in VBS. It's, uh, it's from the Apostle Paul, and it speaks on this. So I want to read it with you this morning, talk about it a little bit, take communion, and we're going to go out and practice it. Sound like a deal? Okay, here we go. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, he says, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's a neat scripture, isn't it? It's pretty cool. What I'd like us to focus on this morning is how we can actually make these transforming changes in our lives that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, and, and to do it in a way just by simply transforming the way we think in our minds, because that's what Paul's talking about. And I think we can get it done by just doing three things. If we can talk about the character flaws, the defects, and all that kind of business, how it got in our lives to begin with, and then why it takes so long to get rid of the stinking things, and then how we can connect with God individually on, on an ongoing basis to be transformed into Christ's likeness. You think we can do that? I think we can. So here's the first thing. Where'd they come from? All these habits and hurts and hang-ups and character flaws we've been talking about several weeks, where'd they come from to begin with? Well, according to John Ortberg, there's three basic uh, ways that they get into our lives. Chromosomes, circumstances, and choices. That's where we get our flaws and our defects and our habits and that kind of thing. Uh, some of them we inherit. That's our chromosomes. Uh, the way I understand it, your mom and dad contribute about 23,000 chromosomes apiece on your behalf when you were born. So that means we actually inherited some of our parents' defects, some of their physical weaknesses, and some of their emotional weaknesses. And I, I tell you, really, that makes sense to me when I think about it, because that explains some things to me. That explains to me why every so often, not very often, but every so often, my grandkids actually act up. I understand that. Now, it came from you all's chromosomes. Thanks, son-in-laws, Okay. No, I'm just kidding about that, but, but I'm not kidding about the chromosomes, okay? Some of our predispositions and our issues actually come from that. Now, it's not an excuse, 
It's just part of who we are, our, our genetics and our genes and our nature. Some of that comes from our chromosomes. The second piece of the puzzle is circumstances. All of our circumstances are different. You were born in different families. You had different parents, different siblings, different neighbors. And, and the, the environment that you and I grew up in shaped us a little bit. We learned how to deal with people and relate to things by the people we hang out with, and we actually gain some patterns and some habits the same way. For example, you and I learn to respond to our own needs by watching other people do that. We learned how to cover our hurts and how to cover our shame and those kind of things. And really, a lot of our defects are simply self-defeating, unmet needs. Does that make sense? Probably doesn't. So let me give you some examples. There are several people who were born with a legitimate need for respect. And if they didn't get respect early in life, then they settled for attention. And they have learned over the years how to gain attention in a lot of different ways. Does that make sense? Some people were born with a, little, a legitimate need for love. And if they didn't get love when they were growing up, then when they get a little older, they settle for sex. Because at least they get some kind of emotional connection out of that for a time. Some people were born with a legitimate need for security. And yet, when they were kids growing up, they didn't have much of their home. So now that they're older, they're surrounding themselves with boats and campers and cars and new homes and all that stuff because that covers their security. So you, you understand. So part of it's chromosomes. Part of it's our circumstances, our environment. And the third piece of the puzzle is our choices. And this is the big one because we all make lots of choices every day. And here's the thing, family. When we choose to do something long enough, it becomes a habit and sometimes a hang-up and oftentimes a hurt. And here's the deal. Once it becomes a habit, man, you're kind of stuck with it. And, and so the things that you and I never intended to be developed in our lives actually become developed in our lives because of choices we made early on. Uh, some of you have known me a long time know that I was addicted to nicotine for years. I mean, I smoked for years, and if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I'd still be sneaking out after church and having a cigarette. And I remember the first one I smoked, I was 15. I smoked a lot when I was little, but I never inhaled. So I, I inhaled my first cigarette at 15, and all kinds of voices started screaming at me. My lungs said, are you crazy? Get that out. Are you serious right now? Get that out of here, man. We're not having that here. You're a stooge. My head started speaking to me, too, because it was spinning. I was banging into things. I was dizzy. No, 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 man. We're not going to do this. And then Mr. Tummy started speaking to me. Do you like to throw up, Jim Kane? Because that's what's coming. If you don't stop this, you're about to relook at your breakfast. You know what I mean? You'd think that I would have listened to all those voices. But I didn't. I just kept smoking, kept smoking. Before you know it, it was a habit. It's the toughest thing I ever, ever did. By the way, that's also why I believe all of these things we've been talking about, all the scriptural promises. Because I'm telling you, if I can quit smoking, and I did over 20 years ago, then we can do anything through Christ. Anything. Trust me. Okay, so that's how we got here, okay? Chromosomes, circumstances, and choices. So let's look at number two. Why then is it so hard to get rid of these things? Especially after what we talked about last week. Jesus looks us right in the face like he did that guy last week at the pool, and he says, do you want to get well? And we say, yes, we do. And it still takes all the stinking time to get rid of this. I mean, what's going on here? We tried everything. We tried prayer. We tried therapy. We try books and seminars, and still they hang on. Why are all these habits and sins and defects and character falls so hard to get rid of? Well, several reasons for that, too. Number one, we've had them a long time. We didn't build these things overnight. We're not going to get rid of them overnight. Always love the story of guys out golfing with his buddies, and they get to the 12th hole on the green, and, and it was out by the road, 
and a funeral procession came by, and this guy picked his ball up off the green, took his hat off, and stood at attention with his hat over his heart as the funeral procession went by. It was so unlike him. His friends were so moved by that. And they said, man, that is so awesome. What, what came over you? He said, well, you know, we would have been married 32 years next week. Yeah, my point is it took a long time to get that attitude. Thanks, sweetheart. I missed you. You know, and, and it takes a long time to get rid of it. And many of our habits uh, we've developed over a long period of time. It's just hard to get rid of them. A uh, second reason is because we actually start to identify with them after a while. Now, I don't know why this is, and I know it's crazy, but sooner or later, we actually start to identify with our defects and our character flaws. You say, no, we don't. Yes, we do. You hear people all the time say things like, I can't explain it. This is who I am. You know, I, I, don't, I just have a bad temper. I just, it's just who I am. I just worry about things. It's just me. I mean, I, I'm just overweight. I, I just let people walk all over me. I just lust. I mean, I just, I'm a lust bucket. It's just who I am. I, I can't change it. And so what happens is, subconsciously, one of the reasons we can't change is because we're afraid if we really change this defect who's been part of us for so long, we won't know who we are anymore. And in a real goofy, strange way, we actually connect and identify with our defects. So we hang on to them. Here's another reason. They're hard to get rid of because there's a payoff involved. I mean, we don't do anything if we don't get something out of it. That's how we are. And, and so... You know, we, uh, we do what we do to get attention. We do what we do to mask our pain. We do what we do to get our own way. We do what we do to excuse our failures. There's a payoff with the things that we do, and we don't want to stop doing them because we don't want to lose the payoff. Here's the fourth reason, and this is the big one, is because Satan will do everything he can to discourage us from transforming into Christ-likeness. And he's on a rampage, folks, like I've never seen in my life. And he's going to say things to you like, <laughs> you change? Really? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Now, listen to me. I know that this has been a fun sermon series for Cain to preach. And some of the scriptures, I read the scripture, by the way. He'll tell you that. Some of the scriptures are really valid and true. But you, <laughs> you're not going to pull this off. I mean, you can do all the communion, all the praying you want, sing all the praises you want, but I know you real well, and you're a loser. You're not going to change. That's what he's going to tell you. Now, I want you to listen to this part. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this today, please. Satan is a liar. Jesus said when he speaks, he lies because that's his native language. And I'm going to tell you something. I have never in my lifetime seen him work more lies than he is right now. Every issue you think about, COVID, the protests, all the political unrest, listen to me carefully, there's truth on both sides and lots of lies everywhere. And you and I have got to stop being fooled by this. I don't do Facebook, but I've read some of the reports of some of the ways people are talking to each other, some of the Christians talking back and forth to each other like they really know. They got their arms like this. This is the way it is. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. We don't know. In fact, that's my new catchphrase. I was just talking with Claudia about this Friday. I don't know, but God knows. Is this COVID thing, is this a fake? Are they driving up the numbers? Is this a thing from China to try to take down the West? I don't know, but God knows. Is this the Democrats trying to take Trump out because they hate him? I don't know. God knows. Is this Trump trying to steal another election? I don't know, but God knows. 
You and I, when we do this and say we know, we don't have a clue. But here's what we do know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him will live even though they die. And the world needs us to be telling that truth to them and to each other. And we have got to stop listening to the lies and stay on the truth. Satan is a, a, a lion looking for someone to devour. So we're going to change our minds. This just makes sense. Uh, our thoughts determine our feelings, and our feelings determine our actions. So we're going to change our minds. So here's how we're going to do this before we take communion. From the Word of God, this is exciting stuff. Here's some things you can do to transform your thinking today so you can trans- transform the way you live. Number one, we need to focus on changing one defect at a time. Just one. Listen to Proverbs 17, 23. A discerning man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool eyes wander through the ends of the earth. Let me read that in the Living Bible. An intelligent person aims at one wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Isn't that good sense? See what? We get excited about the possibility of transforming things, and then if you're somebody like, I don't know, Danny Trulock or Melvin Williams, and you're thinking, I got 40, 50 things in my life I need to change, and that's a conservative estimate. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. What, <laughs> what happens is we start seeing all these things in my life that I get, oh, man, I need to change my temper. You know, I lust way too much. You know, I gossip too much. I got to do this thing. And we start reading these scriptures, and we get all excited. We take communion. We're going to go home and change everything. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'll get discouraged. You won't change anything. You take Solomon's advice one thing at a time. You sit down with God this week, take out a piece of paper and a pencil, and write down that one character, flaw, or habit in your life that you'd like to team up with the Holy Spirit and work out, and you work on that till you've got that one beat, and then you move on. Here's the second thing. We focus on victory one day at a time. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 11, give us this month our monthly bread. Is that what he said? No, he didn't fix it, preacher. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Why did he do that? Because God wants us to give us the power and the ability and the Holy Spirit to change and transform today. Today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not for eternity. Today. He said later on in that same chapter in verse 34, each day has enough trouble his own. Boy, we know that right now, don't we? So focus on one thing at a time. Focus on victory one day at a time. Number three, focus on God's power, not yours. I mean, we've already seen throughout this whole thing, willpower isn't going to cut it. Resolve is not going to get it. We cannot get this done. Jeremiah 17, 23 says, uh, Can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard change his spots? Well, neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. God's just being straight up front with us. Y'all can't carry it. You can't pull this off. He don't want to sound like Satan, but he's just telling you straight up, you can't do this on your own. But if I tell you what you can do, Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. All things through Christ who gives you strength. You can beat smoking. You can beat COVID. You can be, I don't know what's going on. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And if you believe that, you sit down with God and you pray and say, I believe it. Give me the power to get this done. And then you just sit back and watch him do it. I pick temper. Help me to beat my temper. I pick gossip. Help me to beat my gossip. I pick lust. Help me. And then you just picture God taking that trash bag full of lust. You take it out on the curb and you sit it and watch him pick it up. Take off with it. Now, if you're like me, I take my trash out once a week. Some of these things we've had for so long, you're going to have to take them out three, four, five times, ten times a day. But you do it daily. One time thing at a time. And you trust God and visualize that he's actually getting this done. Here's number four. Refocus on the positive. 
<laughs> this is so practical. Paul says in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, you think about those things. You think about those things. Stop getting caught up in the lies and think about the negative things, Paul says. You think about the positive things. How can I do that? Well, I'll give you one good example. I, I, again, I don't do Facebook. But I'm going to tell you something. My wife, I don't know if you know this about my wife or not, but she's not only beautiful, she's wise and she's getting wiser by the year. And you know what her and Ashley did last week? And I, I didn't include you because I don't know if you have or not. Probably did. They got off of Facebook and Instagram last week which is tough on them because they do that. You know why? Because here's what my wife said to me. We're in a season right now where I have got to love everybody. And she said, when I read some of the posts and some of the things they're saying, I look at them differently and I can't afford to do that. So I'm just going to get off of it and I'm going to love them. You focus on the positive. Stop feeding the lies. Dave Matney always loved this poem. I've used it several times over the years. I'm sure he's listening. Two natures beat within my breast. One is foul, the other is blessed. The one I love, the other I hate. But the one I feed will dominate. You, you want to stay posting and arguing and I've got this right and you're silly and all those kind of things? Then you're going to feed that and that's what's going to happen. But I say, you focus on the positive. That's what Paul says. Our minds are like sponges, man. You put a sponge in fresh water, it'll pick up clean water. You put it in dirty water, it's going to pick that up too. We have dinner at lunch at my house every Sunday with all the grandkids, and we've been doing it for years. And when we feed them, we put them on the floor in the sunroom. We have to put the dogs outside. You know why? Because the dogs will eat stuff. And they'll eat all the stuff, bad stuff for dogs. You put bad stuff in a dog, bad things come out of a dog. Do I need to develop that thought, or do you know what I'm talking about? It's the same thing with our minds. It's garbage in, garbage out. Be careful, folks. Get off that stuff, man. Stay in... You know, as cheesy as this sounds, get in the Word of God. We need the truth these days. Start, memorize one scripture a day. Maybe one scripture, just do one a week. In 52 weeks, in one year, you'll have 52 scriptures. Stay in God's Word. And then when Satan says to you, no way you can change, you can say, I can do all things through Christ. He gives me strength. I just memorize. When Christ says, you're a loser, you can say, I'm more than a conqueror through him who gives me strength. When he says, hey, man, if you don't get this, you're going to be missing out. Oh, no, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't want for anything. He takes care of everything. You just combat him with the word of God. Number five, focus on doing good things, not feeling good. Big difference. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, I say live by the Spirit, and then you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. What's Paul saying here is very simple. He's saying you go ahead and do the right thing. Eventually, your feelings will catch up with you. If you wait to do the right thing until you feel like doing the right thing, you're never going to do it. Because Satan's going to make sure you never feel like it. It's a whole lot easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. Somebody says, oh, I, just, I have a hard time loving my husband. I understand. I know your husband. No, I'm just kidding. No, what Paul's saying is love him anyway. And eventually, your feelings follow right along. I love what the AA used to say, fake it until you make it. So you just do it. You live like you should. And then number six. You align yourself with people that are going to help you get this done. Iron sharpens iron, the book of Proverbs says. So one man sharpens another. Bad company corrupts good character, Paul says. 
You hang out with the people who are going to help you get this done. You don't necessarily have to hang out with people who believe the way you believe politically, who believe the way you believe over the COVID thing and over the protest thing. That's not what I'm saying. You hang out with people who believe the way you believe spiritually, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You hang out with them, and you work on loving them and loving each other. And it's, it's amazing what happens. Now, you want to talk about transformation and change. It goes on here at this table. The, the, the avenue and element of change is Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, which is probably a pretty slim odds, I'm looking around here. Uh, man, the baptistry is, I think it's cold. I think the pump, the heating element went out again. Let me check. It's frigid, but <laughs> it's clean, and we're ready for you because it's clean and ready to go. Thank you, Scott. He took care of that for us. Uh, on the other hand, if you're listening today and you haven't pulled the trigger on Jesus Christ, hey, man, I will tell you one thing I do know. The world's on fire, and I don't know if it's going to be put out or if this is the end of things. I don't know, but I do know our hope is in Christ, and if you don't have him, you're kind of walking around hopeless. So you need to contact me sometime today, and we'll get together work this thing out. The rest of us, I'm going to come down here like I always do and act like I'm taking communion, although there isn't any up here, so I'm going to have to go back and get me a cup. But I, I want to surround this table because it's like Jake and I tell you every week, this is, this is the central part of South Union Christian Church, right here. Remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that he gives us, not just to live forever, but to live in eternity right now. You and I can live in the kingdom of God right now. We can make the changes. We can be the people he wants us to be. So uh, we're going to take communion together, and then we're going to worship together. I can't tell you how happy I am to be back with you all. And when we're done, I'll be at the back outside with a mask on. I'll social distance. I'll shake your hand. I'll hug you if you want it. Uh, Rocker Rooney, it's good to see you, man. Glad you're back and feeling good. Um, love you all. Let me pray with you. Thank you so much, Lord, for you for this truth it's the only truth that we have that makes any difference and you've given us 66 books loaded with good truth and promises and instruction and yeah correction when we need it father we don't need all the conspiracy theories we don't need all the conjectures we just need you we've always been your agent of change and we desperately at South Union want to be the people that, that the world looks at and says, well, you know, I don't really agree with this nonsense about a guy coming back from the, from the dead, but boy, those people sure love. They sure take care of each other. We want to do that. We want to grow up in you. We want to celebrate you this morning. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.